Welcome back, Buck Pros. Welcome back to the podcast. And it's always great to welcome you back after a victory on Sunday. I want to welcome in my fellow Buck Pros, Zach, John, and Brace. Guys, we get the win, but in what we would consider typical Bucks fashion this year, 1916 in overtime to the Trace McSorley led Cardinals. Pretty inept offensively throughout the game until we needed it. So Welcome back to the podcast, guys. What was your take on the Cardinals game? Let's start with uh, let's start with Brace there. Hey, broadcasters. Yes, nice to be back with you guys after a victory. But as Ryan mentioned, seems like our victories all look the same recently, right? We were inept for 55 minutes, and then when it comes down to the last five minutes of the game, we absolutely need to score. We get in a hurry up. We become well more efficient. We make the plays we need to make, and we squeak out a win. But nonetheless, we sit at seven and eight going into the final two weeks of the season here. Um, big game coming up on Sunday, and we'll touch on that here in a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of the same old, same old with this team. Um, offensive ineptitude throughout the game. Uh, just predictable play calling once again. Uh, I really don't understand Byron Leffert sometimes. I mean, I, under, I can understand that one play in the second quarter. I think it was the second quarter where Lenny kind of ran the whole pile to second and one after a holding call. And then it's second and one. Okay, let's try running again. Okay, gets blown up by J.J. Watt. Third down. Call something else. Nope, right up the middle. Okay, well, that didn't work. You know it's going to catch him off guard? Doing the same fucking play once again on fourth and one. Oh, no. Surprise, surprise. They stopped that one. Running at J.J. Watt three times in a row. I, I didn't understand it, but uh, it's uh, it's a frustrating team to watch. It's just and, it, and it's not just Byron Leftwich, right? Tom Brady had a pretty bad game himself. Missed a wide open Julio Jones in the first drive that would have resulted in a touchdown. Threw two bad interceptions trying to target Mike. Um, the offensive line looked pretty bad. Now I know Josh Wells went down early in the game. You're down to your third string left tackle. That just does not bode well, regardless of who you're playing. Even if it's a four and ten Cardinals, it's just not good. Um, you know, Lenny and Rashad had a pretty good game, but again, we can't. We struggle with short downs and distances when we get to second and third and one. Um, screams again to you know predictable play calling. I think there was a point in time they pointed out in the pro in the broadcast. You know, they were you know Arizona was putting six defenders you know within five you know yards of the line of scrimmage because they just knew we weren't going to test them deep. They were just jumping all the short routes, and sure enough, we're throwing short routes when we needed them. But um, the defense looked pretty solid. Again, we're, we were playing against Trace McSorley, third-string quarterback for the Cardinals, so I expected we would have a good performance. But, you know, they kept us in the game. They came out. They played very well. Um, so credit to the defense, credit to Todd Bowles for a very creative game plan bringing pressure when we needed to, being able to get the stops when we needed them. So the defense did their job, but once again, story of the year, just, you know, terrible offense until we absolutely need it. And it's really against these subpar teams that were able to squeak out these wins. 
really not going to do th that, you know, it's our, or sorry, you're not going to be effective doing that against, you know, winning teams, especially with the playoffs coming up. I, yeah, <laughs> we got a big game coming up this week, which, you know, is for all the marbles. So we'll see what happens, but I expect much of the same uh, that we've seen this season. Right. And that's the, I think that's the big question is just, can we flip that switch? And you're right. We do have a big game coming up, but I wanted to talk to anybody see Todd Bowles is right. Maybe Zach or John, did you guys see Todd Bowles's post game locker room speech at the end of the game where he's like, Oh, that's enough to win. Oh man. It was infuriating for me to watch because it's just, I feel like that sets the precedent for the team, which is, this was good enough for us. Like we don't need to do anymore, which I feel is the complete opposite of what you should be saying. We need to do a lot more, especially in terms of play calling and, and getting people into position to win. So I, I was just wondering if anybody saw that and, and had the same reaction that I did. Uh, I didn't see that, but what I did see was the, uh, I believe it was the halftime interview with Todd Bowles, where it was like, oh, you know what we need to do? We need to run the ball more. Are you out of your mind? Does he have no concept of what he's watching on the field? You're getting stuffed by J.J. Watt every time you run the ball. And we're going to run to his side again. We're going to run right at J.J. Watt. That's where we're dialing up every play. It's third and one. We're going to run at J.J. Watt. That's the only thing we've got. I just – he's out of touch. He is so in over his head that, I, I mean, maybe he – Maybe he's retarded. I don't know. Like, I don't have an explanation for it, but like maybe he's mentally handicapped or something. Maybe there's something going on there that we're not seeing. Um, you know, players get to use that excuse all the time that there maybe there's something going on that we don't know about. Maybe there's something we don't know about Tobbles. Maybe he's a little special needs. I, I don't know. But there it at this point, there there needs to be some other explanation than what we're getting out of him. Yeah, Collinsworth said something on the broadcast. That was kind of enlightening to me because I looked at this whole season as like Bulls is on defense, Byron's on offense, offense is terrible. What are you doing, Byron? But I think Collinsworth mentioned this that potentially it's not so much Byron as much as it is Bulls setting the agenda for the offense and being too gun shy to play an aggressive style of offense. He's being really conservative. It was at the end of the half when we were, you know, considering getting the ball back with not a lot of time left. And he mentioned basically would, would Bowles even want the ball right now? Like is he too afraid of making a mistake and giving them a short field or time left on the clock. And I think that might be what's going on here is Bowles is, is just not, he's, he's handicapping this, this play calling on offense. I think he just wants to let the defense play well enough to keep it close and then take the governor off at the end which is a terrible, terrible strategy. I and mean, Bryce said it, you're not going to win a lot of playoff games with that strategy. And when we do have a lead, we can't hold on to it because of the same thing. It's, it's reminiscent of the end of the Gruden era where you, oh, we got a lead at halftime. We're just going to run the ball the entire second half and pray the other team doesn't figure it out and just try to hold on. Except it's even more maddening now because we can be trailing and we still have that same mindset of let's just keep throwing guys in the center of the line and hope something happens. It's it's wild. I, I it's definitely a coaching issue, but Brady, he's got the yips, guys. Like he, even if he gets time, he's just he doesn't know what to do with it. So, it frustrating to watch, um, for sure. But you know, 
say something nice, not a ton of penalties, only five for 30 yards. That's an improvement. I'll give that. Maybe we call that coaching. I wonder. It's interesting, huh? (laughs) Uh, And D-Hop had one catch for four yards. So, I mean, that's that's definitely applauded for the secondary to hold him. Granted, he did have McSorley playing quarterback, but um, defense played great. Um, I think we technically won the turnover battle. I mean, it's Brady tried to throw it away. Some of his passes, guys, it's like he doesn't see that second. I think it was the second pick where he tried to fit it in a window that was never open at all. And it I mean, was open. Gave, he, was just, he was just late. Yeah, like, I was going to say. Didn't, he didn't read the defense yeah. in time. And when he threw it, the cornerback dropped back into cover two. And there he was for the interception. I mean, he still had to make an athletic play. But, you know, if he throws that with any anticipation, that's a wide open Mike Evans. I think Collinsworth even said it on the on the broadcast. Yeah, that's as open as Mike Evans is going to get in the National Football League. But Brady's just not seeing it as he has before. And I agree with you. I do think he's got the yips, and it probably is due to the fact that he is getting hit a lot more this season than he was the last couple seasons, right? Uh, He doesn't have confidence in his left tackle. He doesn't have confidence in his center. Um, So he's getting that ball out as quick as possible, and it is really hindering our aerial attack, at least – as we're trying to push down the field. I would actually like to see them just do hurry up more often because that is really the only offense we have currently that is effective at moving the ball. I know you can't do it all game. It's just not sustainable, but throw it in there more often than just at the last second possible when we absolutely have to have it. You know, like, why don't we mix in some hurry up with some, you know, normal, you know, keep the defense on its toes. It's really what it's about. You got to be unpredictable. I actually really, I want to jump back to that point of Todd Bowles isn't a baller who asked for the ball because I think you can see the microcosm of that in his lack of challenging plays. You saw it in the Rams game with the Kamara punt that didn't hit the goal line and would have pinned them way deep inside. I think you saw it on this game too, where I think there was, I don't know, like a, a yard further of a spot for the Cardinals running back that afforded them a first down. It was and, Trace McSorley. He ran yeah. that third down one and was stuffed behind left. I'm screaming at the television like he there's no effing way he got to that line. And then they show it clearly on the broadcast I'm like throw the fucking challenge flag. It, it's it's a pivotal play in this game. Like that's one you do throw the challenge flag on on a you know whether you know I agree with you Ryan. I'll just say that. Yeah, and I, I think that it just shows that, you know, Todd Bowles is that mentality of let's let the defense handle whatever they're handling and we'll just keep it close. We don't attack. There's no attack in the game plan. There's no attack in offense. And like you said, Tom Brady's getting it out on plays that if he just waited one half a second more, there would be plays down the field to be made. So I, I, I kind of agree with Zach. That's a good point of – there's the Todd Bowles mentality is, you know, better safe than sorry. You know, maybe he's just a coward. Maybe Todd Bowles is just a coward and that's what it is. You know, I mean, deep, he doesn't yell at the refs. He doesn't yell at the players. He doesn't get upset. He doesn't throw the challenge flag. He doesn't let us throw the ball. I just, maybe he's just a wuss. Maybe I don't know, Tony Dungeon had that same approach. and He was able to get the team to be disciplined, the team to, you know, I will give you this, that, 
and he had a world-class defense to play with, right? Like, if you can score at least 17 points, nobody else is scoring 17 points against that defense. But I just don't think – and, Ryan, you kind of brought up that post-game speech. I don't know if you saw Mike Evans' face behind that that speech. There was It was lifeless. It was like, I don't care what this guy has to say. You know, I totally disagree with everything he's saying right now. And, and I think it shows. You know, to your point, Ryan, I think – and a little bit to you, John, like that the, you know, conservative, cowardly approach to this game is wearing off, is showing in this team. And it, it's not one that, you know, they should be trying you know, to What's wild is you see flashes of a team that wants to win. Like when, when they were pushing Lenny in that pile, you know what I mean? And, and I think Ryan shot us a text in the group chat and was like, where's that push been all season? That didn't look like a team that was afraid to win. They were trying to win that game, knowing two wins gets them to the playoffs. You know, Leonard Fournette had a huge game. He had almost 100 yards receiving this game. Leonard Fournette was playing out of his mind. And it, it's it's things like that that you see sometimes that show me that the players may have a little bit of life, but there's no... They're not rallying to anyone. Nobody's rallying the troops. And maybe Brady is enough of his in his own head with his own personal problems that he can't rally the troops. Somebody needs to step up and be be the leader here because they looked for a moment like there was a flash of a team that could win some playoff games, um, especially against the Bengals in the first half. You know, we've seen flashes of a team that looks good. They go to the they go to halftime and they must sit there and listen to someone who takes the life out of this team. And I don't know what it is, but the, that, that locker room dynamic needs to change. We need a leader, someone to rally this team. And that's not something that we've got right now. I do think John, to your point, like the halftime, that third quarter of football was the biggest waste of time for both teams. But Tariko said at the end of it, a pointless third quarter. I just thought it was the best thing I've ever heard. It was, uh, was world-class. But I think I'm hopeful that if this team is lucky enough to get to the playoffs, that Ryan Jensen will be able to come back. Because I, I really think that will do so much for Brady. Having his guy under center, I think, will be great for his confidence and maybe shaking the yips. But it's just crazy that, like, the GOAT, he's 45. He's He won a Super Bowl two years ago, made a playoff run the year before. Like, he's he's done everything. He's such a – considered to be a great competitor and mentally sound. But, I mean, it's like he's regressed in between the years this year because he's his clock is, like Ryan, you said, like an extra half a beat. And he's he's not even going across making reads. I mean, he is – he has made a, a guesstimate as to where the play should go. And if it's not there, he's thrown it at feet or God forbid he's thrown an interception. He's, he needs another tick to just go look to the other side and see Mike with his hand up. Like he just needs that extra beat. And even if it's there, he's not accounting for it. He's set his own mental clock at like one and falls out. And it's, it's frustrating. I'd like to think, and he, he mentioned it on his podcast that Jensen might be back for the playoffs if they make it. That I think would be huge to give him a little more comfort. And maybe, maybe if that happens, we can also run QB sneaks on second and one or third and short or fourth and one. Because when we did, it worked. But for some reason, that play is a rarity in this offense now, despite having the guy who made it this, you know, most successful guy in the world at this play. And all of a sudden it's like, we have to beg to see it. Yeah. And it's funny that, 
we've had all of this evidence against running it on third and one and fourth and one. Uh, but great point because Ryan Jensen would obviously bring back that moxie to the offense that he brings, but also hopefully a little bit more confidence, like you were saying in Tom Brady's game. But first, we got to get to the playoffs. And that's why next week is so important to this game because it is essentially a playoff game for us. We win, we're in. We've got a home game against the Carolina Panthers, and there couldn't be more on the line for us. Carolina coming off a pretty impressive win against the Lions, who themselves are looking for a playoff spot. It's going to be tough to stop the run game. Deontay Foreman, Juba Hubbard looking pretty dynamic. I think they ran all over the Lions defense. Um, so we're going to have a have a stop for that. I know we said that the defense was up to the task versus Trace McSorley. John, do you think the defense is up to the task for Juba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman when the Panthers come into town this Sunday? Absolutely. I think this defense showed us in this past game and, and for the past few weeks, frankly, that they're they're a playoff caliber defense as far as I'm concerned. If we were putting up any kind of points on the board, if any one of those missed touchdowns or interceptions is a touchdown, this game isn't even close. And that was the same for the, the Browns game, for the Bengals game. There's been multiple games this season where the defense has held their own. And I, I truly believe the defense is up to the task. And I think the defense is starting to show a little bit of life. Uh, you know, we didn't even have Vita Vea in this this game past week. And I think, you know, Nacho held his own. But I think if you get Vita Vea in there on some plays, you get you get to the quarterback a little bit more. We're seeing uh, Logan Ryan really step up, make some plays. Even Sean Murphy bunting look really good after having a pretty iffy start to the season. I think this defense is up to the task. And, you know, the defense and a lot of these players were on it is what carried us to that to that Super Bowl win in Brady's first season here in 2020. That was a defensive Super Bowl like all good Bucks Super Bowls and playoff wins, it's all on defense. And so I think that they could come alive and this might be their game to do it. You know, we win here in the last two games are really prep games going into that Cowboys game at home. We know that if we win against the Panthers, we've got it locked up. We're winning the division where we've got a home playoff game coming in. And I think that may give us some life that would give an opportunity for maybe Jensen to come back to get some players healthy, rest some guys, maybe get our minds right. But yeah, if it's the defense that's going to win it for us, I think they're ready against the Panthers. I think they absolutely can bring it home. Yeah, John, I think you brought up a good point with Vita Vea. Um, being out these past two weeks, that was going to be my key is if he can return for this game, then yes, I do think we're up to the task of stopping a very potent rushing attack from the Panthers. Um, I don't want to overlook this game, right? We're talking about possibly a home game against the Cowboys. We shouldn't be thinking about this team, at least shouldn't be thinking about that. This is focus on the task at hand. Uh, Carolina has been playing pretty good ball since they fired Matt Rule. They're five and five with Steve Wilkes as the head coach. Um, Chubba Hubbard and uh, Dante Foreman, really two dynamic running backs. Sam Darnold had a pretty good game. Ben McAdoo's been calling some pretty good plays as their offensive coordinator. Um, you know, but it, the key to this game will be, as it kind of is with any game that, you know, we play, is we can stop the run. You know, uh, our defense gets into advantageous downs, and Todd Bowles has shown time and time again he is a master at drawing up pressures and blitzes that confuse offenses and we'll get to the quarterback right and I do agree with you John that our secondary has played a lot better recently uh, Sean Murphy Bunny looked great this past game had a huge breakup um, on DeAndre Hopkins that's you know 
prevented a, you know them from getting into field goal range at the end of the game against the Cardinals. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr. is back playing. Carlson Davis has looked pretty good. Uh, but Jamel Dean is healthy and coming back out. That even helps us as well. Um, so it's two big key Vita Bay and Jamel Dean, if they can come back healthy for this game, really going to help our defense. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I'd like to see a little bit more of Rashad White. Um, I know that we rode Lenny a little bit more this game. He was the hot hand at a point in time. But Rashad White has been just explosive anytime he really gets into the, you know, offensive mix. And Brady seems to have some confidence in him. Like, you know, he's thrown two tying game winning or game, you know, scoring touchdowns with him, right, uh, in our past two wins. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't expect our offense to just immediately jump out into, like, scoring 30 points, right? But I think if we can score 24 points, which should be obtainable against a defense like Carolina's, and we can, you know, I think the hard thing for the offense would be protecting Brady against a Brian Burns and that defensive line against Carol of Carolinas. Um, they're pretty good. They get after the quarterback pretty well. Um, so that'll be a tough task. Obviously, I think Tristan Wirfs re-aggravated his ankle. I hope he's okay to play for this game. We'll see what Donovan Smith's status is. I, I like him better than Brandon Waller. I know you, you probably disagree with that, John, but he's going to be a better option than Brandon Waller would be since Josh Wells is out for the season. Uh, but nonetheless, yes, um, biggest game of the, of the season, clinch and you're in. We should treat it like such. I really do hope we come out with that energy we had against the Bengals and then sustain that and don't commit the numerous mental mistakes we had in that second half. Let's hope maybe that halftime speech Todd Bowles has for this game goes a hell of a lot better than his last, uh, previously gone this season. Yeah, I mean, Bryce, I agree. It's do not <laughs> overlook this game. Like we struggle against bad teams. So it doesn't really matter how good or bad Carolina is. We struggle just on Sundays or Saturdays or Thursdays or Mondays. So they need to really prepare for this game. It's, I mean, like, you know, like it's been said, it's basically playing for a bye week. If you win this game, you, you don't have to play anyone against the Falcons. You can just coast. And that would be huge. I'd like to see, give it the best effort you can get this win. You don't want to go into the final week needing the saints to beat the Panthers to make the playoffs. So uh, I, the matchup, you know, they ran like 40 times against um, the Lions and the Lions didn't run the ball at all. They threw the ball a lot. Jared Goff was eaten. Their tight end had like three tutties. So I wish we had a passing game that instilled confidence because clearly you can throw the ball against this team. Uh, I don't know what the play calling will look like or what the agenda will be for this game, but the Lions couldn't run the ball at all. They were chasing the game, but still, I mean, it's not like they did anything when they ran the ball. So it's not the ideal matchup, but hopefully they prepare for it. They come in, they focus on the run. Like you said, I don't doubt Todd on defense, just worried. He's not setting the offense up to succeed. So we'll see. My biggest thing about this week, aside from winning, Mike needs 83 yards in the last two games. So please, Tom, wake up, look to your left. Look to your right, find the biggest guy you have, and throw in the ball. Just need like 42 yards this week, 41 next week. Let's get him. I'd like for him to get it this week so we don't have to have the like extra game asterisk next to it. 
but 83 yards that'd be really nice yeah and like i'd like to i'd like to see mike get that that you know keep it continuing especially after the seasons he's had he's like bray said you know i i think the face you're seeing has just been a long season for mike he isn't uh getting as many targets as he used to and when he's catching touchdowns he's getting called back for holdings it's been tough so i actually want to point out ryan sorry to interrupt he actually has had more targets this season than in any season he's ever played um it just hasn't been effective like that's the crazy thing is tom brady's on pace to break the nfl record for passes attempted and it's just like we you know, to your point, Zach, yeah, I think he has regressed a bit, and it probably has a lot to do with off-the-field issues and things that are going on in his life that haven't been that way for quite some time. But regardless, just want to point that out. Just, yeah, that just per say Greg Allman, that was his report. Just, just tell the truth. My man's got to get a nut. He hasn't gotten laid since his wife left. He's not out there dating. His lady's out there having a good-ass time with whoever she wants. Who's he dating? You're Tom Brady, man. Go I saw there. something on Twitter. He's dating some like twenty-year-old model on Instagram, blonde girl. That's good news. He's usually wearing a Brady jersey. There's That's John's eyebrows. <laughs> John's huh? eyebrows, as you were telling that, <laughs> were just great to watch get higher and higher. Yeah, bro. That's good news. I think that's good news for Bucks fans. You need a Brady who's feeling it and is comfortable, and that's all right. Good. That's good news. I'm gonna look that up for for research purposes. Hopefully, it's good news because. Uh, you know, when I look at this game, it's going to be tough. You know, we have 22nd ranked rushing defense. They've got a very potent defense. And when you flip that ball, you're not getting a whole lot of time because they're running it up and down the field. They're chewing away the clock. So we don't really have the potent offense we used to to counterbalance that. So I think defensively, we have to be very sound in how we attack their run game. Uh pursue but don't over pursue you know don't get out of your lanes I think I saw a couple of instances against the Cardinals where people were shooting up the gap and letting people come in on the option read uh, to wide open lanes so just play, stay disciplined and like we've had to do all season we don't have a whole lot of room for error so discipline is key can't make that many mistakes otherwise uh, it's not going to look good for us so like you guys have all said and I'll reiterate Treat it as a playoff game. Treat it as such. You know, go out there and execute like you haven't been executing <laughs> for the re- the last however many games this season, 15 games this season. So uh, it's going to be tough, but I think we'll be up to the challenge. So I, I do want to end this on a different segment. Fantasy, I think it's pretty much over for most people, so we won't do the fantasy. But as we turn the new year out, oh, Okay, well, most people, Zach. I'm in four championship games this weekend. So uh, if anybody is tracking fantasy, you should probably pay attention to this guy. All right, go ahead, Ray. <laughs> we'll have to add it up after the end of the season, see who was the best. Actually, yeah, let's not check. Let's not check the record. Just trust. Just trust. <laughs> but uh, I, I wanted, since we're ringing in the new year, 2023 coming up, I know we've been saying a lot about what we haven't been doing well this season, what we'd like to see change this season. But as we look to the future of the Bucks ball and we look into the 2023 season, what's one New Year's resolution that you guys think the Bucks should address going into 2023? Just one. You can name 100. Just one. Well, my New Year's resolution would be to find a new offensive coordinator. Um, I don't want to 
completely blame Byron Leftwich for the problems that this offense has had all season. I don't think that's true, but I just don't see any creativity out of his play calling or any ingenuity or really just any anything that's worthy of an NFL offense. Um, so I think that has to be addressed in the offseason. I, I feel sorry for Byron. Um, he clearly had great talent when calling those offenses, you know, previously these past two years that averaged 30 points. But without that elite talent, um, it clearly doesn't work. So we've got to find a solution. And I think it's time for him to find a new home and to bring somebody else into the fold. What do you think about it, John? My New Year's resolution for the Bucks is to find a face of the franchise. Who is the face of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And we know it's not Brady. Brady will always be a Patriot. This may be his last season. He's stepping out. Mike Evans is getting a little long in the tooth. Who is it? I, I couldn't even tell you what Devin White looks like if I ran into him on the street. Like, who is the face of the franchise? Like, we all knew who Derek Brooks was. We all knew, even when Josh Freeman was here, you knew who he was. You knew who the face of the franchise was. We need to find a face of the franchise, someone to rally around a leader, and that's what we need in 2023, a captain for the ship. Uh, mine's not too dissimilar from John's. Um, for 2023, you know, from, like, just whenever the season ends on, but just to have – a, a good succession plan for Brady, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through free agency. He's not here next year. Uh, he may play somewhere else, but he's not here. I, I just don't he? see Kyle Trask okay. sitting there in the wing. Waiting okay. to Mr. Be Duck the himself. face of the franchise, John. Kyle Trash is a cool person, but I don't really think he's the future at quarterback. You know what? I will say this, though. If, if, if the succession plan involves starting Kyle Trash so that we tank for the face of the franchise quarterback, I could get on board with that. That's about the only use case I think there is for Kyle Trash playing quarterback next year. Uh, but that, that'd be my hope, is that everybody in that front office has clear eyes on what the situation is with Brady. He's not here next year. He's not obligated to be here. He clearly doesn't want to be here right now. I think this is he's here just to try to win and go somewhere else, which is fine. He brought us a Super Bowl. But I just whether it's through the draft, there's a lot of there's a few good quarterbacks in this draft. Or if it's to plan for a free agent, and then I just want a succession plan. I just don't want to be stuck holding the bag and and just have to wait and have terrible quarterback play or sign some trash can free agent that's not gonna it's gonna keep us at like six wins and we can never get it quarterback so that's my that's my new resolution speaking of trash cans i got three words for you to sum up this succession plan baker may field that's a guy we need to go out and get he has looked dynamite the last few weeks i think he's got it figured out and i think if you could put some pieces around him he's ready to ball that's my guy i'm holding out hope that he comes home let him bake. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I'm on board with the Baker Mayfield train as much as you are, John. Maybe but... a great housekeeper of Raymond James Stadium based on his progressive commercials. He takes go. care of his homes. 
there you go. But um, I, I do, I think the progression plan is probably the most important, but something I would like to see the Bucks address in the next year is offensive speed. I think, you know, you look at the teams around like the Dolphins who got Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. Um, you look at, you know, Kansas City and, and all of those top tier teams, there's this element of big playability that, you know, we had with certain, you know, instances of Mike, we can't hit on times, but I think we're missing that element of speed. You know, Mike isn't a burner. He's a big guy who could beat you over the top on a good release. Gowan's more of a middle catcher, um, make big plays, run after catch, but somebody to take the top end off the field and just really threaten a defense. I think we're missing that. So, um, Y O U T H. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Draft. but I, I agree. I agree. It's, it should be drafted. Um, and we just need to get younger in general, like you said, but really recruiting for speed and just a threatening offensive weapon, uh, I think is something that this offense could definitely use. Um, but just in general, it seems the way the league is going. It's just getting that those two speedy, who are you going to deal with kind of uh, receivers? So I'll add left tackle to my wish list too while we're at it. Yeah, there's a lot of there's there's going <laughs> to be a lot of wishing. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. wishing. There's a lot of needs to be addressed on a seven and eight team. That's just what the record indicates, right? You are what your record says. So, um, you know, un unfortunately, you know, as we're trying to win a division, not sure all of that will be addressed in this draft. You know, you don't make a bad point, Zach, that if Kyle Trask starts next mm. season, uh, maybe we can replenish some of that youth with elite speed. Well, we're going to have to wait for that, though. And uh, like we said, well, there's a lot of wishes to go. So, Buck Bros, if you want to help us out, send your wishes in. Get those New Year's resolutions on the docket so the Bucks can take care of them. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. We hope you guys are just as excited as we are. Play a football essentially here for the Buccaneers, winning in this week, coming up against the Panthers. So get excited, Raymond James Stadium. Get loud. You know, we aired our grievances last last episode. So hopefully you guys are here to answer the bell and usher the Buccaneers into the playoffs coming this coming Sunday. We're going to sign off here, guys. We hope you guys enjoy the podcast as always. And we will see you on the next episode from all of us here. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Happy New Go Year. Bucks. Go Bucks. Happy New Year. Yeah.